It's time now for The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. You are going to go through tribulations. You are going to have to learn to be an overcomer. You're going to have to learn to battle in the Spirit. Quit blaming and start blessing. Quit being a victim and learn to be a victor. And you know, that's learned not through studying books on it, not by going through lectures on it, but actually going through it. It's when you go through tribulation that God teaches us His greatest, His deepest, and His most profound lesson. Welcome to another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. Steve is the head pastor of The Road in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's our vision to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ and to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of His love. If you're in the area, we meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. You can go to our website at theroad.org for service times. That's theroad.org. Here now with today's message is Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. Well, you guys, tonight, we're, this is the last night, and we're, we've been talking about power to rule, and um, this idea of contending, the idea that we have to contend to rule, we have to contend to reign. It, it's not in our natural DNA. It's not in our natural uh, MO to want to contend, because ever since the fall, and ever since the inheritance we had of a sinful nature, our natural way is laziness. <laughs> Our natural way is to just sit around and vegetate and watch TV. And, uh, and the reality is, is it, it, that's where we go. That's where most men go in their marriage. It's uh, actually more than women. Uh, women will fight for their marriage more than men will. But men will fight at work. It's kind of the way God made us. I think that ruling and reigning aspect of us since Genesis that we talked about in the first message when we talked about contending for our inheritance. We tend to do that at work, we as men. We will go and we will just slog it out with amazing difficulties at work and then we'll come home and we'll just be slobs. And so uh, women, on the other hand, can be so uh, beautiful in their relationships and so beautiful in the way they uh, go after relationships. But then they talk uh, with other relationships about the other relationships. And so, guy, we, I mean, guys, we really don't do that very often. I mean, you go fishing with some men and we don't really even talk. You know, except what you caught, you know. Oh, I got, I got one. You know, we haven't said anything in like 30 minutes, you know. But women, they get together and they never stop talking. And so we contend in different ways. But the reality is, and the, the tapes will, you know, you'll be able to hear it online in, the, uh, in probably a week or so. But this contending for our inheritance. And so we talked about that on Sunday night. And then last night, we talked about contending for an extraordinary spirit that you have to contend for an extraordinary spirit and we looked at the book of Daniel and we looked at a, a young man probably a teenager a young guy who 
purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. And he purposed in his heart, I'm going to have an extraordinary spirit. And then, my goodness, we could have... We could have waxed and waned for hours about the life of Daniel and how many times he was tested by the Lord, by the job he was in, by the work he was in, and his own faith was tested again and again. And he had an extraordinary spirit. And, and the thesis of all of this is, uh, again, Romans 5.17. So if you have your Bibles, look at Romans 5.17 again. And in Romans 5.17, we've looked at it the last two nights, this passage about reigning in life. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, overflow of grace, and of the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And so the thesis of everything that we've been looking at the last two nights has been the fact that you can reign in life through the abundance of God's grace. And we tend to think of grace from the perspective of maybe just Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved. And the reality is that grace in scripture more often than not is really not about salvation. Grace in the Bible is about empowerment for life. So another description or definition of grace would be present moment power. Present moment power. It's when God gives you power to overcome. When God gives you power to decide, I'm going to have an extraordinary spirit. I'm going to have an excellent spirit today. That's the empowerment of grace. And so through this abundance, Paul is saying to the Romans who were idolaters. I mean, they had come out of idolatry. They had come out of paganism. You can reign in life. You don't have to let life reign over you and just keep getting kicked around or trusting in the gods, the pantheon, the Roman pantheon, the gods that somehow it's going to sera, sera, it's all going to work out somehow. And kind of a fate mentality. No, you have an extraordinary spirit. You have Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, you can reign and rule because that's your inheritance. That's the Genesis mandate. So all we've been talking about is what has been given to us when we came to know the Lord, but yet few of us actually experience it. So tonight, I want to talk about obstacles. And the way I would define tonight is contending through tribulation. Contending through difficulties, contending through troubles in your life. And let's look at Acts chapter 14. Under direct orders from the Holy Spirit, Paul and Barnabas left their home church, took off on their first missionary journey. After that, they visited the churches that they had already planted, and here's what happened. Acts 14 19. And the reason I think it's important that you understand, this is under direct orders of the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, they're sent out from Antioch. The Holy Spirit said, set them apart, send them out. So they're right in the, guys, they're right in the center of God's will. Now I'll just say this as a caveat to everything we're going to say tonight, is I'm actually not describing troubles and tribulation from the perspective of the dumb things you do. Okay, 
some of you are really, really pretty dumb. Um, and you just constantly do dumb things. And because of that, it's like, you know, don't blame that one on the devil. And don't even blame that on the sovereignty of God. You're just dumb. And, and you need to grow up, okay? So some, I mean, if you haven't learned how to drive and you keep having accidents and then getting whiplash, you know, maybe you should actually go to a driving school, you know, and learn how to drive, you know? So just because you're a believer doesn't mean you know how to drive, okay? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually tribulations that come from actually doing the right thing. So that's more what I'm talking about. So let's just have two categories here. Just know that one category is the category that we all have done. It's kind of the dumb category. And that's where we, you know, I don't know why, but, you know, I get hives. I just always get hives and I itch. And I've asked God for healing and I, and I just can't get healed. Okay, tell me a little bit about, you know, what you eat. And tell me a little bit about, you know, what's going on. And now what is that you said? Oh, you shoot up heroin every Friday night, you know, and party with your friends? Okay, so I'm not talking about that, okay? That's called dumb, all right? So I'm talking about where here's Paul and Barnabas. They're actually doing the right thing. They're right in the center of God's will, Acts 14, 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Don't miss this. We must. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, Paul didn't leave these cities with a financial seminar, a church growth seminar, or leadership training. He actually left them with the words, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. He's speaking here to all believers. He's saying this to probably the elders of the church. You are going to go through tribulations. You are going to have to learn to be an overcomer. You're going to have to learn to battle in the spirit. Quit blaming and start blessing. Quit being a victim and learn to be a victor. And you know, that's learned not through studying books on it, not by going through lectures on it, but actually going through it. It's when you go through tribulation that God teaches us his greatest, his deepest, and his most profound lesson. So Jesus, getting ready to leave the disciples, and, and he's kind of giving them a heads up. Look, these are some things you're going to need to know. These are some things that are going to happen. I'm leaving. And he says this in John 16, these things I have spoken to you. So that's John 14. This is all in the same lecture. John 14, 15, and 16. Where he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about abiding in Christ. He says this. These things. All these things I've spoken to you. I'm getting you ready because I'm leaving. 
that in me you may have peace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love that. That's awesome because he's talked about the difficulties of life and everything. And then he says, in the world you will have tribulation. So wake up, smell the coffee. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So you're going to have, I, I leave you with my peace. I'm the prince of peace. The world, you're going to have tribulation. Because I'm the peace, you're going to have tribulation. Remember that. Because as you go through your tribulation, remember, I, who am your peace, have overcome the world. You're going to have to put on me. The word tribulation is defined as hardship. Or a state of great trouble. The Greek word is thlipsis. Thlipsis. And it means hardship or a state of great trouble. The Encyclopedia of Bible Words defines thlipsis. The idea of the great emotional and spiritual stress. That can be caused by external or internal pressure. Strong's Exhaustive Concordance says pressure, affliction... Anguish burdens. Tribulation has been taken from the Latin. It comes from the word tribulum. A threshing sledge which separated grain from chaff. It consisted of a wooden platform studded underneath with sharp flint or iron teeth. And as this instrument passed over, was pulled over the grain... The wheat, you can understand how that would be because there'd be gaps in it. It would pull along and scrape, you know, through the, the laid out wheat and chaff on the floor. And as you can imagine, it pulled out the chaff, the, the long strands that were in the wheat. And it left the wheat on the threshing floor. That's what a tribulum was. That's what tribulation is. Tribulation is God dragging you through troubles and pressure to pull out the flesh to kind of weed out that in your flesh and that in your heart that's not pure he he's doing something of revealing his son through the tribulation that we go through so tribulation this is this is probably the most helpful thing at all for me as I was studying this it means pressure so I think I don't know about you but I sometimes think of tribulation as like I'm being persecuted for my faith. And obviously the first example I gave you is true. They were stoned because they're preaching the gospel and everything. But actually tribulation means pressure. It literally means to press, to oppress, and to afflict. To press, to oppress, and to afflict. In this world you will have tribulation. Paul says we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. It is a given. It is life. It is the essence of existence on this earth. One of Job's comforters said to him, man is born to trouble. And it's true. Now, don't miss this. I really believe this is true. God brings promotions through persecutions. 
God brings promotions through persecution. God promotes men and women in the kingdom according to how you handle persecutions and tribulations. Actually, persecutions and tribulations can be tests from the Lord to make you a contender. You know, in boxing, they talk about a contender. What do they mean by contender? Contender is someone who's not a champion yet. A contender is someone who's, who's, who's driving for the crown. So when we talk about contending through tribulation, another way to say this is as we contend through tribulation, there's a promotion. There's rewards from the Lord on the other side. But there's also demotions. We don't like to think of God this way, but he can actually kind of fire you from your calling because you're not yet ready for your inheritance. Because you give up. You just, you're a quitter. You use hang it up when, the time, when things get tough. Or you go back to some of the stuff that you've done before that you thought wasn't there anymore, but it's there again because that's your comfort. Your comfort is jealousy. Your comfort's your shame. Your comfort's your, your gossip. Your comfort's your lust. And so God is testing you. He's putting us through tribulations. He's putting us through troubles so that we start trusting in him as the tribulum is pulled through and over our life. So the only way we can experience a promotion from God is through the choices we make in the persecution and tribulums that we go through. And if we can't learn it, if we're not learning it, if we're not contending for an excellent spirit, if we're not contending for our inheritance, then our response, lacking obedience, causes God to drag us through the tribulum again and again and again. Kind of remind, I almost took this video clip tonight. I knew we were limited on time. If I was doing a men's, re- a men's retreat, I might do it. But remember um, Michael Douglas in, huh? Kurt Russell, that's right, Kurt Russell. I get Kurt Douglas, Michael Douglas and Kurt Russell mixed up. In but um, the coach, Kurt Russell, after watching this game, I think it was against Norway or something, and they just weren't in the game and he made them keep doing those in and outs that they had him. Uh, Isaac calls them in and outs in baseball. I don't know what they are in hockey, but he, they made it. Remember, he said again and again, and they're just they're just throwing up all over the ice and everything. I mean, you could didn't you feel that? I mean, every guy in this room has been at least in some exposure to a sport knows that feeling where a coach just drives you and drives you and drives you. But you see. That's kind of a father wound. That's a good father wound. We tend to think of a father wound only in negative terms. You know, there can be father wounds that are good father wounds. There's good father wounds and they don't come from mom. Or they shouldn't come from mom most of the time. They have to come from dad, especially for sons. And here's what I mean by that. It's that time where, you know, you said... Son, you know, put the, put the, can you put a doorknob on that door 
for me and you're doing other stuff and he's old enough to know how to put a doorknob on and then he puts it on the wrong way. You don't go up and go, oh, that's awesome, son. Thank you. That was beautiful how you put the doorknob on the wrong way. <laughs> no, you have to say to him, you, you put the doorknob on the wrong way and the spoiled child kind of walks away upset that, it, that he didn't get a compliment or something because he spent that time doing it. But the father, who's a good father, makes him put it on the right way, right? But you wound him. You wound his heart. But it's a good wound. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're teaching him responsibility. You're teaching him to do it. Now, you can do it in an angry way. You can do it in a nice way. But the, the reality is God does that too. Our Father, who art in heaven, who is holy, is his name, is transforming us through hardship and difficulty. So look at Romans 8. And we love Romans 8. Romans 8 is one of those great chapters of the Bible because we like verse 28 so much. But we skip verse 16 and 17 and 18. <laughs> Leading up to Romans 8, 28. So Romans 8, 16. And it's talking about us ruling with Christ and how we reign and rule with and in Christ. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So like I said last night, with an excellent spirit, I believe very strongly in rewards. I believe there's rewards in heaven for your work on earth. I believe Matthew 25 is very clear with talents that he's given some of you in this room, you're a five-talent disciple some of you are two talent disciples and some of you are one talent disciples and that is not the issue God does not bestow his gifts out fairly by human terms he gives some more intelligence he gives some more entrepreneurial ability he gives some uh, big stronger bodies he gives some better relational skills but here's what he comes to look for is what did you do with what I gave you, and did you double it? Did you multiply it? And then he says, you've been a good and faithful servant. Now enter into the rulership. I'm going to give you more because of the multiplication that you lived. And so that Genesis mandate of our inheritance. But he says here, if indeed we suffer with him, we can rule with him. So church, I just want to say this. If you just keep running and you just keep blaming others and issues for your suffering, you're just asking for more. Because it's going to keep coming until you learn and you grow. And if you can begin to see suffering and tribulation as actually a part of learning to reign and rule through conquering in those situations, it will set you free. It really will. 
And I'll just say from personal experience, there's something powerful about knowing that tribulation, that situation you're in, and then saying, you know what? I'm actually strong enough to handle this. One writer says it this way, no matter the pressure of the tribulation you encounter, the difficulty is nothing compared to the level of rulership you will walk in after the tribulation has passed. No matter the pressure of the tribulation you encounter, the difficulty is nothing compared to the level of rulership you'll walk in after the tribulation has passed. And so, you guys know that we've, you know, we're here in this church and we don't own this church, but we're guests in this church, uh, guests with Chapel Hills Church. And so from time to time, I'm thinking about like the future and I'm thinking about a building and gosh, what we could do if we had a building. And I think especially in the realm of prayer and things like that, where we wouldn't have to pay every time we use the building and all that. And it's been so fun, really has been fun over the last few months to just think, you know, God must believe that we in the road and me too are strong enough to navigate kind of a situation that could be relationally dicey at times because it's another church's building and stuff. And, and very rarely, but sometimes we have some situations where it's like maybe a misunderstanding or something like that. And then to think in terms of, you know what? God's testing us. He's got something really cool coming our way. He's got, he, he wants us, I know he wants us to have a facility. I know he wants to have this, a facility that's just right for what he's going to do through the road. I mean, he called the road into existence. Seven times the road less traveled. You guys who were part of the 49th of prayer. I mean, this is such a sovereign work of God. And you know, honestly, the last year has been some of the most creative. This has been one of the most creative years of my life. And there is no way I would have come up with anything like worshiper and warrior if I was still a pastor at the last church. The heaviness of the management of a massive church to the lightness of being a beginner again is really cool. To be able to be creative again, to think again, to be hungry and foolish again is kind of cool. Stay hungry, stay foolish. If you, if you pray that prayer, watch out because God will probably answer it, you know. Um, but there's a book I've been reading by John Bevere called Relentless. Really good book. I'd recommend it to all of you guys. It's called Relentless. I don't agree with everything in the book, but I don't agree with everything in most books. So if you say, if you come to me with that book and say, well, you believe this, I'll probably say, you guys know me pretty well. I'll probably say, no, I don't agree with everything in the book. But I, I like his emphasis on reigning in life. But here's what he writes. And I think this is a great quote. Greater resistance requires greater power. Greater resistance requires greater power to overcome. Consequently, producing a greater victory. So you guys, what God's doing is he's going to bring, as you grow older, I believe, and as you become more mature, greater resistance, not less resistance. 
greater obstacles, not smaller obstacles. Because you are powerful enough to be an overcomer. And as you overcome, there's going to be a greater victory in your life. So actually life gets harder and harder, not easier and easier. But listen, the options in your life get wider and wider. For the non-believer or for the, or the frustrated carnal believer, which I kind of put them in the same category, non-believers and frustrated believers, is their options narrow because they're selfish. Because all they want is to live a kind of a pain-free life. So what happens is they live that way is they're actually their options get tighter because every little thing that sort of doesn't go their way or somehow they don't get a good night's sleep or they didn't get their day off starts to narrow because their selfishness and their pride causes them to miss what God's saying to them through the tribulation. Versus the believer who is accepting that tribulation is actually the work of God to create greater power and anointing in their life. Their options actually widen as they grow older. Because you have so much more to draw from. And by having so much more to draw from, you're actually growing from strength to strength. Now turn to 2 Corinthians 12 and I'll give you an example of that. So 2 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us an example of growing options as everybody runs out to see whose car. Someone sat on their, their little key thing and you push that little button, I'll bet. So anyway, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul says this, the And lest I should be exalted above measure. So he's talking about all this revelation of visions and dreams that he's getting from the Lord. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So he can boast, he's boasting in his weakness because he recognizes that the weaker he is in Christ, the more of God's power can flow through him. So men and women, if you get anything tonight, I would hope that you come away with a new understanding that the infirmities, the distresses, the persecutions that you're going through are that the power of God might flow in greater measure through you because it's less of you and it's more of him flowing through you. I want to call this, and I really, really struggled with this uh, the last few days when I was working on this message. I want to call it kind of the X factor to maturity. 
You know, the X factor means that one component. If you could say that one component sort of defines something. I would say the X factor in discipleship, the X factor in being a mature, spirit-filled believer would be how you handle difficulties. That's the X factor. Because when you can, when we can come to understand that when I am weak, he is strong, that when I don't have power, he has power through me, that's the X factor to becoming an overcomer. Because getting that and understanding that and grasping that is huge in the development of the believer and actually very, very few ever get it. And so we, we just live to be comfortable. We just live for victory. Listen, we live for victory with no fight. We live to be an overcomer without having anything to overcome. You know, I'm really an overcomer, you know, but you've never overcome anything. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like the rich kid who's never had a job, you know. I mean, what a disservice. So many parents, it's such a disservice to just pay for everything for their kids. It's a huge mistake. You know, make them work. And get them out there. And, and, and suffering's good. And getting your hands dirty is good. So the X factor in discipleship is learning to be an overcomer. And you can't be an overcomer without having things overcome. And so when you are weak, Christ is strong. So he's going to make you weak so that you know that he is strong. So we'll close with this, James chapter 1, verse 2, everybody's favorite verse. You know, I have never seen anybody frame this verse. There's two verses that I've never seen anybody frame in their bathroom. You know how you go in the bathroom in a Christian home, people got little verses, precious verses that are framed and everything and, and all that. I've never seen James 1, 2, and 3 ever framed. I've also um, never seen anything about submission in a woman's bathroom. Submitting to their husband, you know, it's like, nice frame nowhere, you know. Um, but anyway, James one two, we read it. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's no other passage in the Bible. Probably the closest might be talking about the man of God equipped for every good work because he's in God's word. But other than that, there's, this is so all-encompassing that God actually takes you through trials. He actually takes you through tribulation so that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing the message, Eugene Peterson translates it this way, considered a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. 
So tr trust me, church, this is the route to reigning. This is the route to ruling. It's as you go through tribulation, it's when you go through distresses and you go through infirmities and you make the right choice to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to push through, to press in, to start learning to quit complaining, you know, to quit being a victim, quit blaming the weather, Quit blaming your mother. Quit blaming your dad. Quit blaming your dog. And actually start facing it and going, Lord, you are making me a powerful saint. You are, you are working a work in me to make me to rule and reign in this life. And I'm going to rule and reign. I'm going to reign over this problem. I'm going to reign over this issue with your power so that I can get everything I'm supposed to get out of this to be the mature disciple that you want me to be. And so contend for that church. And we need brothers and we need sisters in that battle. We need bloodstained allies that stick with us and that will watch our back and help us. You're not supposed to do it alone. A lot of loners out there. A lot of loners out there. And when you're a loner, it takes you a lot longer to get there because you're an idiot. Because you see it all from your perspective, you know, and you're an idiot. And I've been an idiot so many times. Take it from an idiot to you guys. You're idiots sometimes, you know. And so you do it alone and you weather the storm alone. And somehow it's in the name of not bothering anybody. Bother people in this church, please. Please bother people. Call up people. Ask for prayer. Men, you need some bloodstained allies. Women, you need some bloodstained allies. And if you don't contend with others, you'll, it's just, you're going to be slower. I mean, that's like trying to become a world-class ice skater without a coach. That's like trying to be a world-class gymnast without a coach. You don't do that, you know. And so you, in life, in the Christian life, we need others who will coach us. They have a different perspective. And sometimes they've gone through way worse stuff than you. And you don't even find out until you open up. And they go, well, you know, I went through a divorce 25 years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I lost a son uh, 16 years ago. What? And then suddenly there's a new respect and also, they've got beauty for your ashes. They have beauty for your ashes. And then it helps you grow so much faster. So, Father, thank you uh, for this series. Thank you, Lord, that you've called every one of us in this room. You've called the whole body of Christ to reign and rule in life. To not let life reign and rule over us. And that, God, you have, you've actually given us tribulums. You've given us tribulation. You've given us troubles to cause us to be weak, to cause us to see our weaknesses, to cause us to see those areas of our life that need to be bolstered by your spirit. And God, I thank you for brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need each other to go through tribulation together so that, Lord, we might be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So thank you, Lord. We praise you and bless you in your name. Amen. You've been listening to The Road with Pastor Steve Holt. We pray that you've been blessed by the message today. Our hope is to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's why we teach the Word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and precepts upon precepts. 
We're excited about all the things God is doing in the lives of our faithful listeners. We understand that there are many trials and tribulations in this world, and we'd love to be able to pray for you as you encounter difficult times. Please drop us a note and let us know how we can pray for you. Write us at The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you've been blessed by this message, please let us know as well. Again, the address is The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you're in the area, please stop on by and join us at The Road. We meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. You can find out about our service times and more about The Road by going to our website at theroad.org. That's theroad.org. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash theroadcs. As always, we covet your prayers. Thanks again for tuning in today and be sure to catch us again next time for another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.